Welcome to The Alexander Standard. Today's episode, Antipater the First and Alexander the Fifth. Welcome to the Alexander Standard, where we rank all the successors of Alexander the Great. From Perdiccas to Cleopatra the Seventh. My name is Dustin. And I'm Meredith. How you doing, Meredith? I'm still doing good. The same, are you doing the same as you were when we did, like, the previous episode, like, five minutes ago? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, okay, that's good. Well, speaking of previous episodes and five minutes ago, we are once again humbled and so excited to bring you all... Some guest stars today. Our dear friends, Nick and Paige. How y'all doing? Doing fantastic. Yep, I got another cookie, so I am good to go for this episode. Sugar high. See, Nick and Paige have, like, they they know how to, like, do it. You know, it's just like, when you only have five cookies a night, when you get that cookie four, it's like you are riding high, man. Meanwhile, I'm on my eighth slice of pizza, and life ain't worth living until I hit 12. I know, right? And I mean, to, to quote Jim Gaffigan, you know, you tell somebody you slammed 12 beers the night before, they're like, oh, yeah, you partied. But you're like, oh, yeah, I had 17 cookies. And they're like, you monster. What's wrong with you? I I identify with that. And that's why I am looking forward to trying Ozempic. So. <laughs> All right, let's go. You said this one was going to be shorter. All right, so now, as anyone may remember, um, Nick and Paige graced us with their presence on our previous episodes. We don't want to uh, belabor it for our dedicated listeners. So just, you know, ever so briefly, Nick and Paige, why don't you just remind us who you are, what do you do, in like just a sentence or so. And then for anyone who wants more details, we can refer to the previous episode. I'm Paige, uh, and I work with the deaf community as an advocate. Um, hey everybody, it's Nicholson, uh, former teacher, current student nurse, father of three cats that have four eyes between them. Nice. That was amazing. Yep. Without further ado, let's jump right in. Today we are again talking about two co-kings of Macedon. And this time it's the younger sons of Cassander, Antipater I and Alexander V, who came to the throne after the death of their elder brother, Philip, in 297. As always, we start by looking at the etymology of their names. Much like Philip from the last episode, we've seen the names Antipater and Alexander before, so our etymology will be a bit of a review. First of all, Antipater, it comes from two Greek words. The preposition anti- which usually translates like against or opposite, but in this case probably means equal to or like, and the word pater, meaning father. And thus, we have like or equal to his father, which is kind of sweet. Now you may notice, or you may not have, that we have referred to this Antipater as Antipater I, but we've already seen an Antipater, you say. The original old man Antipater, who claimed the regency of the empire way back in 320 and died in 319. Wasn't he truly the first Antipater? Well, this kind of came up in our previous episode when our discussion with Nick and Paige. The issue here is that old man Antipater wasn't a king. He was only ever the regent of the two kings at that time back in 322. 
320, sorry. Alexander IV, son of Alexander the Great, and Arhidaeus, Alexander the Great's half-brother. In contrast, the Antipater for today's episode, although he was the grandson of old man Antipater and regent, he was also the actual king of Macedon. So, the Antipater we're coveting today was technically the first Macedonian king named Antipater. That's why he gets the first. So he's definitely equal to and better than his father. <laughs> Ooh, that remains to be seen. Oh, okay. Well, I'll hang on. I love your positive attitude, though. I would, I would like to invite you more onto our show so I can crush that positivity. Uh, 2020 did it. Yeah. A lot of this podcast is just the spirit of 2020. And ironically, that's kind of when we started getting the idea for it. <laughs> COVID brought this out of us. As for his younger brother, he also had an auspicious name, probably probably even more so, Alexander V. We may have seen an Alexander or two already in our show. The name Alexander, or Alexandros, also comes from two Greek words, Alexane, meaning to defend or protect, and andros, meaning of man. And so we get the meaning defender or protector of men. As for their early life, what do you think we're going to say, Meredith? We know next to nothing. Not much is known. We know almost nothing about their early life. What we do know is that they were both the younger brothers of Philip IV, and therefore the youngest sons of Cassander, both of whom were also kings of Macedon. But, hashtag feminism, hashtag, hashtag, just like the case of Philip IV and all the men and women in our lives, we need to look not only at the father, but the mom. Like their older brother, Philip, the mother of Antipater and Alexander was a young lady named Thessalonica, the daughter of Philip II and his wife, Nicasipolis. Now, Philip II, of course, was also the father of Alexander the Great. So, this means that Thessalonica was also the half-sister of Alexander the Great. Technically, again, like their older brother, Philip IV, both Antipater I and Alexander V were simultaneously grandsons of Philip II and the nephews of Alexander the Great. So, in marrying and having children with Thessalonica, Cassander had forged a very prominent genetic connection to the family of Alexander the Great, and therefore a strong claim to the throne. Well, we know what happened next. After the death of Cassander in 297, probably from tuberculosis, he was succeeded by his eldest son, Philip IV. Unfortunately, Philip died a few months later, probably also from TB. From the droopsy. In his place. What's up? From the droopsy. The, the dropsy. From the droopsies. Oh, I love that so much. That should have been the name of it. Instead of dropsy, it's just droopsies. And then I he gets the sagsies. Oh, I don't feel so good. <laughs> Stay. <laughs> I got the droopsies. <laughs> in his place in the mid to late in mid to late 297 he was succeeded by his two younger brothers Antipater I the middle child Ugh, bad premonition and Alexander V 
the youngest. Of course, we don't even know how old Antipater and Alexander V were. According to Granger, uh, Antipater, the elder of the two, was probably 16 when he came to the throne in 297, while Alexander was perhaps a year or so younger. So these two kids are pretty young. Not too young, but pretty young. It is for this reason, then, as Granger argues. Although Antipater and Alexander became kings in 297, they were initially, at least under the supervision of their mother, Thessalonica, who acted as their regent. Indeed, uh, Granger speculates that the joint succession of the kings was, quote, a scheme devised by Thessalonica herself. Unfortunately, even though both kings ascended to the throne in 297, we don't know much about what happened for the next two to three years of their reign. This is probably because the kings were under the regency of their mom, Thessalonica. By 295, however, Antipater was turning 18, which even then was apparently the colloquial coming of age for a young Macedonian man. Granger states that this was concerning for Thessalonica. After coming into his majority, Antipater was free to make his own decisions, leaving Thessalonica and young Alexander at Antipater's mercy. Now, we will recall that Antipater and Alexander's dad, Cassander, was well known for killing rivals to the throne. Now, you may have not gotten to that point, Nick and Paige, but Cassander liked to kill people. Mm. As we saw in his episode, way back in 317-316, Cassander had defeated and ousted the previous regent of the kings, Polypericon, captured and executed Alexander the Great's mother, Olympias, killed Alexander the Great's wife and son, Roxanne and Alexander IV, and even killed Alexander's supposed bastard son, Heracles. Oh. He killing everybody. That's right. excessive. A little bit. Thus, as Granger states, quote, the earlier murders by Cassander were no doubt in the minds of all. And sure enough, Granger continues, Antipater followed the family tradition and murdered his mother. Oh, I thought you were going to say and he got No! Yes, it seems that in 294, Antipater killed his mother, Thessalonica. Wow. I, oh. Hang on, I have a question. Sure. You mentioned in our previous podcast that these boys had like an arranged marriage that their father had uh, coordinated before his death. So are these guys married at this point or is that coming up? No, they're already married. So why did he stop at just his mom then? Why didn't he kill his brother or his brother's wife? So that's a really good point. Good question. Well, if he's going to wreck house, I just wonder why he stopped halfway. Yeah. Cassander had already arranged marriages for his sons or for his younger sons, Antipater I and Alexander V. As we saw in the previous episode, Philip IV probably didn't get a marriage because... Cassander knew that he was probably going to die, but he wanted to make sure that Antipater and Alexander had their marriages set up. Now, I'm quoting from Granger here. The two younger boys were already married to daughters of other kings, 
Antipater to Eurydice, the daughter of Lysimachus, and Alexander to Lysandra, the daughter of Ptolemy. For anybody who's just joining us, um, and to remind everybody else, these two people, Lysimachus and Ptolemy, at this point in Macedonian history, around 297, are probably the two closest and most friendly powers for Macedon at the time. Lysimachus is one of Alexander the Great's old bodyguards. He popped up late in the game. He kind of hanging. He kind of hung around the background for a lot of what would be our earlier episodes. But he was always there, and he was given the territory of Thrace, which is most of modern-day Bulgaria. Uh, Ptolemy, right after Alexander the Great died, Ptolemy just beelined it for Egypt and just hunkered down like a hairy dog and just said, "This is where I live now." For Cassander, at the end of the day, Lysimachus and Ptolemy were his traditional allies. So by marrying each of his sons to one of their daughters, uh, Antipater to Lysimachus' daughter and Alexander to Ptolemy's daughter, he was trying to ensure that he had a good marriage alliance for each son. But also, the idea there is that there's a guarantee if one side double-crosses another one. So it's not like he just gives one son over and marries into the family of a bigger king, and then that king comes and sweeps it over. Now if that happens, there's somebody else. There's another alliance with another king who can counteract that. So these guys have some pretty prominent marriages, and that's going to come up to that's going to come to pass pretty soon. Now, as far as the murder of Thessalonica, our best account comes from the Roman historian Justin. <clears throat> Reading voice. Mm. This summer, after the deaths in rapid succession of Cassander and Philippus, Queen Thessalonica, the wife of Cassander, was soon killed by her son Antipater, though she conjured him by the bosom of a mother to spare her life. The cause of this matricide was that, in the division of the kingdom between the brothers, she seems to have favored Alexander. This deed appeared the more atrocious to everyone, as there was no proof of injustice on the part of the mother. Although, indeed, in a case of matricide, no reason can be alleged sufficient to justify the crime. So, Antipater killed his mother, Thessalonica, in 294. Both the kings had taken the thrones in 297. Yet, as you mentioned, Paige, indeed it does not seem that Antipater sought out to kill his brother Alex. He mainly just seems to have wanted to make sure that his mom was not threatening his rule. But Alexander was not keen on this idea. The right. fact that older brother killed my mom is kind of um, it's a contentious point at the dinner table. And he's going to try to make sure that he can fix this. What happens next is a hilarious series of events. So Alexander sends out two messages to both Pyrrhus, king of a western place called Epirus, and to another doofus named Demetrius. Epirus is kind of hillbilly stuff. The Greeks look at the Epirots and they think that they're rednecks and hillbillies. And although they're kind of a backwards people in the eyes of the Macedonians, that's where Philip's wife Olympias came from. And indeed, Pyrrhus is her nephew. So in making an alliance with Pyrrhus of Epirus, we have a pretty good guarantee of assistance here from someone who was blood-related to 
Mm, Antipater's and Alexander's step-grandmother? Now, Demetrius is going to get his own episode, but who's Demetrius, Meredith? Oh, he is Antigonus's son. So we, um, in a previous episode, we, we learned about a big bear main, named Antigonus the One-Eyed. Because he had three legs. No, uh, because he had only one eye. He's a big boy, especially in the ancient Mediterranean. So in all seriousness, like, do we know if he was like large, tall, or was he yeah. like, we oh, do. okay, gotcha. So it, it wasn't that he was, his ass was clapping whenever he walked down the hall, necessarily. Although it could have been. Necessarily. Probably was. He got, uh, he got heavier later yeah. in life. He did. We did he was very he was, tall. We do know he was very tall because his son, Demetrius, who we just mentioned, was described as being of heroic stature, whatever that means. But we know that Antigonus was taller than his son. So, like, back then, which been like, what? His, they were like, 5'2"? <laughs> uh, most guys would probably be around 5'5". Five five. Nice. Hmm. Like, nobody's, like, like, only the, like, super elite are eating well enough to, like, honor what their pituitary gland is trying to do. The fact that, you know, Demetrius was already heroic stature and that Antigonus was bigger, he's probably over six feet tall. So Antigonus was defeated and killed in 301 at a big battle at Ipsos. His son, Demetrius, however, survived. And through a twist of fate that we're going to describe in our next episode about Demetrius, he still had an army, he still had a bunch of money, and he still had a navy. And he's kind of running around trying to establish, you know, a kingdom for himself. Alexander has appealed not only to Pyrrhus of Epirus, but simultaneously has now sent a message to this wandering bandit king, Demetrius, asking them both for help against his brother Antipater. In return, Alexander promises to give up several Macedonian territories in the south and southwest, things that his father and his uncle and his grandfather had fought for. But now, young Alexander V is willing to give it all away in order to secure himself against his brother Antipater. Well, indeed it works. Pyrrhus of Epirus is, um, responds immediately, and he secures the kingdom, knocks out Antipater and kind of kicks him out of the kingdom. Alexander V is in charge by himself. And in return, he dutifully gives over certain territories of the Macedonian kingdom on the southwest periphery. And he's firmly in power. And just like honoring the agreement, Pyrrhus left. But now Demetrius has arrived. Got a big army. He's got a big navy. And his help isn't needed anymore. But you can't really send him away because that's kind of give him the finger. So they kind of go back and forth for a while. Alexander V and uh, Demetrius try to negotiate a peaceful exit for this situation. But that's when things go awry. When Demetrius murders Alexander. <gasps> Our best source for this... Yeah. Our best source for this is the Greco-Roman biographer Plutarch, who wrote a biography of Demetrius. Demetrius, who, when he received Alexander's letters, had set out with his forces to join him, inspired the young man with still more fear because of his high position. Alexander met Demetrius at Dium and gave him a friendly welcome, but declared that the situation no longer demanded his presence. 
owing to these circumstances, then, the men were suspicious of one another. And besides, as Demetrius was on his way to supper at the young man's invitation, someone told him of a plot to kill him in the very midst of the drinking. Mm. Demetrius was not at all disturbed, but delayed in coming a little, and ordered his officers to have his troops under arms, and all the attendants and servants in his train, and there were far more numerous than the retinue of Alexander, to go with him into the banqueting hall, and to remain there until he rose from the table. This frightened Alexander, and he did not venture to attempt anything. Demetrius also made the excuse that he was not in condition to take wine, and went away very soon. On the following day, he busied himself with preparations for departure, telling Alexander that unexpected troubles had arisen, which demanded his attention, asking his pardon for leaving so quickly, and assuring him that he would pay a longer visit at another time when his affairs permitted it. Alexander was therefore well pleased, convinced that Demetrius was leaving his territories, not in hostility, but of his own free will, and escorted him on his way as far as Thessaly. But when they came to Larissa, once more invitations to entertainments passed between them, and each plotted against the life of the other. This, more than anything else, put Alexander into the power of Demetrius for he hesitated to take measures of precaution, that he might not thereby teach Demetrius also to take countermeasures, and he was forestalled by meeting the doom he was himself devising, since he delayed measures to prevent the other from escaping out of his hands. And so, when Demetrius rose up from the table before supper was over, Alexander, filled with fear, rose up also, and followed close upon his heels towards the door. Demetrius then, on reaching the door where his bodyguard stood, said merely, Kill anyone who follows me, and quietly went out himself. But Alexander was cut down by the guards, together with those of his friends who came to his aid. One of these, we are told, as he was smitten, said that Demetrius had gotten one day's start of them. That night naturally was full of tumult. But with the day the Macedonians, who were in confusion and afraid of the forces of Demetrius, found that no enemy came against them, but that Demetrius sent to them a request for an interview and for an opportunity to explain what had been done. They therefore took heart and promised to receive him in a friendly spirit. When he came to them, there was no need of his making long speeches, but owing to their hatred of Antipater, who was a matricide, and to their lack of a better man, they proclaimed Demetrius king of the Macedonians, and at once went with him down into Macedonia. Furthermore, to the Macedonians at home, the change was not unwelcome for they ever remembered with hatred the crimes which Cassander had committed against the posterity of Alexander the Great. So, Last little bit, it's a bombshell. Mm -hmm. Antipater now ran to the court of his father-in-law, Lysimachus, who was the king of Thrace, modern-day Bulgaria, and he hung out there. Now, Lysimachus 
was willing to help his son-in-law Antipater. The problem is timing. You see, Lysimachus was currently fighting against another native king of Thrace. So when he's watching all this go on, Alexander calls for help from Pyrrhus of Epirus and Demetrius. Pyrrhus shows up, does his job, and goes home. Antipater's kicked out. Demetrius shows up, doesn't want to go home. And now Lysimachus is looking at this and he's saying, I've already got a war to fight at home. I'm not going to start a fight with the entire kingdom of Macedon now. I don't care who my son-in-law is. Because remember, his son-in-law is Antipater I, the rightful king of Macedon. But rightfulness and heirs and legitimacy kind of second place to like practicality. So, Meredith, you know that we've been organizing our coverage of kings by one particular principle, right? Oh, yeah, the order in which they die. Right. So Alexander V dies in 294, three years into his reign. Antipater was kicked out of the kingdom that same year, but he doesn't die then. Antipater, it seems, lingered for several years in the court of Lysimachus until the year 286. So it takes eight years for Lysimachus to kill Antipater I. The way it goes is that he just kind of hung out at the kingdom and everything, but he kept bugging Lysimachus, like, help me get my throne back. Help me get my throne back. And Lysimachus, as he sat and watched everything, realized, like, no, it's just not a good opportunity. I'm not going to start a war with a strong kingdom. I'm not going to do that. Especially when i got problems to deal with in my own kingdom. And he kind of put up with uh, Antipater for a while. Eventually, he got tired of hearing him complain, it seems, and imprisoned him, and then just executed him to get him to shut up. And this was his father? In 286. This was his father-in-law. Wow, babe. That's awkward. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, like, that changes the whole Thanksgiving dynamic. It does, it does. It's like, well, Dad, I'm gonna... Daddy-in-law? Are we gonna talk about Steve? it? Steve! <laughs> or i mean you know it could uh, we're also ignoring the fact that maybe his daughter was like this guy sucks we any reason you yeah. can find to just off him would be great thanks daddy that's mm -hmm. what i want for christmas cheaper than a pony mm -hmm. but we'll be right back after these messages the holidays are perfect for spending time with family for better or for worse, and nothing brings a family together more than a meal and the threat of assassination. So this year, come to Macedon Garden for an authentic Hellenistic dining experience. At Macedon Garden, every meal starts with our himbane salad filled with fresh greens, blue cheese crumbles, olives, and our special mystery dressing that's simply to die for. When I told my oldest son that I wanted him to share the crown with his little brother, he was so mad that I thought he'd kill me. But then he invited me out to dinner tonight. It's gonna be great. At Macedon Garden, our entrees are huge, like our tour of Macedon, a meal fit for a king. So whether it's reunions with distant cousins or scandalous business meetings, there'll be plenty of food to share with the whole table. But that doesn't mean you'll want to. This little punk invited me to help kick out his brother. But then when I got there, he's like, oops, we don't need you no more. So instead of being mad about it, I was like, let's just go to dinner, kid. No way I'll kill you at the end of the meal. 
I'd be stuck with the bill, am I right? But make sure to save room for dessert. For you newlyweds out there, we know that getting to know your in-laws can be a tough move. But nothing brings families together more than our triple-layer diabetes cheesecake, as designed by our award-winning chef, Wilfred Brimley. My idiot son-in-law got kicked out of his own kingdom eight years ago, and he's been sleeping on my couch ever since. Won't get a job. Whenever I ask him about it, he just comes at me with this, I'm the rightful king, I'm the rightful king, crap. And now he gets me this cheesecake with a card on it that says, please help me get my kingdom back. I think I may have to kill him. So come to Macedon Garden, because when you're here, you murder your whole family. And we're back. A dead husband. So how about we do a little thing a called... How about we do a little thing called rating them? This is going to be fast. Yeah, it will be fast. We'll just do one at a time. Let's start with the older brother Antipater, the one that lasted the longest. One, two, three. Aristea. Battle prowess. No. I mean, None. did his mom put up a fight? I don't really... I don't know how he... Uh... Mm. Furthermore, do you get points for battle prowess from killing your mom? No, absolutely not. God. Okay. I think we all agree zero for the Aristea. Zero. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, and I'm, I'm even going further, and I'm going to say with everything else I've learned about him and the fact that his father-in-law killed him, I bet his mom kicked the <laughs> out of him. I, I, can, I can only hope, right? Yeah. 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 How about uh, Eutychia? Success. How'd he do as ruler of a kingdom? Not well, he pissed his father-in-law off so bad that he killed him. And that was after he lost his kingdom, too. Yeah. Yeah. I'll give him a three. Whoa! <laughs> That's generous. I love it. Yeah, hey, exactly. you know what? We don't question these things around here. If That's the instinct. That's what happens. It's a zero. It's a zero. Zero? No, you said three. Son of a... Son of a podcast. Son of a podcast. Now, what do you think, man? Like, what's your honest one? Like, I'm not saying either one was wrong. No, I mean, it's a zero. I mean, this is a loser. I mean, I hate to say it. Yeah. All right. That's the zero page. Mm -hmm. I mean, he was taking some steps, I suppose, in his uh, warped mind to get rid of his mother's influence and favoritism and potential resources that was going to prop up his brother. Um, so I guess in his mind, he was mildly successful. And I guess for that reason, I, I could if I'm thinking like in his mind, he, he probably would give himself a one because he did kill his mom and he did intimidate his brother and the brother led to his own demise, which he probably didn't foresee, but probably claimed that as a success as well. So maybe a one and a okay. half. I, I like this podcast. It's like, you know what? He killed his mom. Give him a point. Yeah. There aren't many that you could Who do among that. us? I like that. <laughs> Who among us? What you what you think, Murph? I would say zero. So zero, three, one. I'm also going to give him a, uh, I'm going to give him a one. The idea of knocking out um, competitors to the throne because that's an honest reality. I think that's an understandable kind of thing. I think he just executed it poorly. So one, one, zero, three, that's five. Yeah, so that would be one, one point, two, five. You better be careful what I, number you give out next. It I do. will be counted. No more joke numbers. Write it down. 
And we are moving on to Akon. Image. I have nothing. And a zero. <laughs> yeah, it's a zero for me. Yeah. But it's interesting that Antipater lasted eight years and there's no there's no imagery. Well, that's not eight years as ruler. It's true. It's only three years as ruler. No, I agree with you. Like, it's odd that we have no imagery of him, but it may be because... Uh, Granger speculated that the kingdom was pretty paralyzed after uh, Philip's death or after Cassandra's death. I mean, they were just kind of like, what are we going to do? We got this guy who's coughing up a lung and these two assholes. So. All right. A zero for me. Zero for me, too. I wish there was a painting of him pestering his father-in-law. I'm enamored by that story. But that is a meme. It. Mm-hmm. It is a meme. Mm-hmm. It's a meme. Like, how do you make your own wife's dad so mad? He's just like, you know what? That's it. You're dead. I'm going to kill you. God, you married my daughter, but this is the last straw. <laughs> all right. So that's a zero all around. For Kronos? Well, we're on Akon. Akon, zero. Yeah. I got now one, two, three. Kronos. Nope, Mania. Time. Mania. Mania. Craziness. Okay, well, this is easy. Did Antipater do anything that made you say, what the hell were you thinking, man? I'll, I'll lead. He killed his mom. Yeah, I think that he's got a... I think this one, he can he can really, you know, pull, pull ahead a little bit here because he didn't know when to quit and also he killed his mom. So I'm going to give him... I'm going to give him a six, I think. Wow. All right. Yeah, because that's crazy. You know, like he. What you thinking, Paige? Now remind me, Dustin. There was real, really no evidence for him feeling like he needed to kill his mom, other than there was like some observed Jealousy. favoritism. Yeah, observed favoritism is the thing. And then that led to murder. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. Yeah, a little muck duck. Yeah, I'm trying to think of um, some of the past comparisons and things like that because i do want to take the greater context in with my score that's fair so can i can you come back to me yeah sure murph what you got i'm gonna give him a five only because i know where we're going with some of the ptolemies and this unfortunately doesn't scratch the surface on them Uh i'll go with the three so i got a three maris got a five what'd you say nick he said six so that's uh 14 page uh, murdering your mom's pretty severe. So, yeah, I think a five. Yeah. But knowing that there's right. some, like, wow, that's um, that's a pretty metal threshold we're establishing here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that would give him a 4.75. High score. Yeah. Yeah. How about Kronos time? I got it calculated right here. Okay. Ruling for three years, calculated at 1.54 per year, he uh, scores 4.62. Hey. Okie dokie. Does he get the bonus point for catastrophe? No. No, he does not. He was assassinated. Murdered. So you got some additions and witchcraft there, Meredith? Yeah, hold on one second. All right, so that gives him a total of 10.62. So I think really the mania Woo-hoo! and the uh, three years is what carried him there. Yeah. That Antipater can pull in a, a double-digit number, and we had we had Philip the Fourth that seemed like such a reasonable 
like had the potential to be a great ruler and yet just yep. didn't have the chance. Mm. All right. So let's move on to Alexander V. Yeah. One, two, three. Aristea. Battle prowess. <laughs> well, he asked for help and then got got by the guy who helped him. So we give him like a point for like having the ability to ask for help, but then take away a point because your help helped themselves see you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You, you know, I think part part of that is knowing who to ask and then knowing how to ask them to leave. So I'm gonna give him like he he won the initial interaction, right? Yes, like he yes. got his yeah. he he was the anti anti Peter. So I would say God, this is hard. I'm, I'm wavering between three and four. I'm going to give him a three point five. You know, okay. So battle now. Go ahead. Not have to be hand like combat. It could be strategy. It could be mm -hmm. um, deception. It could be all of those sorts of things. Mm -hmm. I mean, he certainly like like Nicholson was saying, coordinated the help that he needed and got it. So yeah, I would say a three. Okay, that's a really good point. I hadn't taken that into consideration the idea of like him getting outside help from Pyrrhus of Pyrrhus and Demetrius. I mean, it does like show a lot of strategy on his part. So that's that's some. I'll give him a two. Yeah, I'm gonna go with a two as well. All right. So was that? Four and six. That's ten. Ten point five. Divided by four, though, right? Mm hmm So that's a 2.625. Okay. All right. Eutychia. Success. Aww. Oh. Poor he thing. He tried, didn't he? Certainly he did. did. Definitely a bless your heart thing. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, if his one goal, I mean, if his one goal was to get his brother out, congrats, you did it. Yeah. However... I doubt that his plan was to die after his brother got out. Yeah, like to basically go at the exact same time. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, I mean, you don't call in two kingdoms at one time. Not very successful guy, is he? And no diplomacy no. to be able to send, um, is it Demetrius? Yeah. No diplomacy skills to kind of work out like, hey, you made it all yeah. the way. Is there something else that you're yes. looking for? That we can just, you know, neutralize um, Yep. how pissed you are. Yeah, there's another source that talks about the idea that, like, he was like, okay, I have to play it nice with this guy for pleasantries. But they were just kind of, like, going diplomatically back and forth with each other to the point where it was almost like a sparring thing. But it was like that, like you're saying, Paige, like, all right, what do I do with this guy? He's here now. I don't need him anymore. Wait, no, Go away. To him, Alexander V. He's had no mentorship. This is a teenager no. that is doing right. uh, this like interregional diplomacy sort of stuff. I mean, he, he did. By himself. Yeah, mm -hmm. he did. I have a question, Dustin. Do we Yo. have sense in the records of how upset the mom's death made him? And I know that might seem like a, a weird question, but, you know, relationships seem to be uh, as dynamic back then as they are now. Right. So was he enraged yeah. by it? Was it like a, oh, well, you killed her and I'm not upset that she's dead, but I'm more upset that you slighted me. Like, where was he emotionally on that? Do we know? Furious. Furious. Because okay. after 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 Antipater did that, um, Alexander, then that's when he began looking for allies. 
to okay. help him secure his throne. So it was like as soon as Antipater did that, Alexander seems to have been on the all like on the receiving end of that or just kind of caught wind of the okay, so this is where we're at now. Just kind I, of like the thing of go ahead. Well, I was just thinking that then brings in the okay, so how blinded by rage was he whenever he's making these decisions and what was his definition of justice was definition of justice to oust antipater or was it i'm gonna kill this guy like that was his goal to deliver justice there does seem to have been a personal retribution angle to it because um there's another source that talks about how Alexander V and Demetrius were opposed to each other, but then they came to an agreement mutually. There's just so many factors and unknowns. He did get his brother out, so I'm going to be a little generous, and I'm going to give him a five because he stuck that landing, but he didn't kill his brother. His brother went and got to live a, I'm going to assume, somewhat comfortable life until he was imprisoned and killed, and Demetrius wasn't kicked out and Demetrius killed him. So I'm going to give him a five. He 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 made progress, but he didn't really didn't really follow through. Okay, Paige. I was going to say a two. All right, brutal. I love it. <laughs> I love it. Balance it out. I get that. I think most of the the reason for driving those points was that this was a teenager that was making these decisions uh, didn't really have the mentorship or tools to be able to do what he was doing, but got to where he was nonetheless. No, no, no. A two, probably. Mm -hmm. I'll also join in a two, but you got Meredith. Yeah, I was going to say a two because I'm going to take it from kind of like a higher vantage point of to get that help, he gave away pieces of territory, which to my mind, isn't successful because you're shrinking your empire. Yeah, that's an excellent point. Not only that, but it's kind of like, you know, all those like attempts by my family to take this territory. None of that really matters because I can just give it away. Eh, you know, that's fair. That's fair. I still I'm still going to look at it from more of an interpersonal less of a bird's eye view is kind of where oh, yeah. I'm approaching it from though. Like as a ruler, I guess, and that's the point of the podcast really it should be considered, but I'm just thinking of like a dude whose mom got killed and he's like, I'm pissed about that. Nothing wrong with that, but that would give him once we average it out, that would be 2.75. So hey, hey. that seems in the realm. Shall we? Mm-hmm. Acon image. Well, I have, I have nothing. <laughs> Nothing at all. Nothing. Like, I have no images. And no depictions? No. Like, okay. Nope. We can all agree on zeros, then. Mm-hmm. Zero, zero. Mania. Craziness. This is the guy that called in for aid from two kingdoms at one time. I don't think that's crazy. I th I'll give him a two. Okay. Just to be weird. Uh, I don't know if it's strange. Um... To give him a zero? I don't think anything really uh, was crazy. If anything, I, I would just attribute it to like adolescence and inexperience as a ruler, but not craziness. Certainly not compared to his brother that just murders his mom. So a zero. Yeah, I'm going to give him a zero. Okay. I agree. He's 
he's just young and he made a really bad series of decisions. That's not crazy. That's just inexperience, like you said. Yeah. He just he didn't really know any better. Yeah, not to belabor the point, but I, I agree with everything you both said. So I would say zero. So then with Dustin giving him a two divided by four, he gets a point five. There you go. So that was Mania. So now we're at Kronos time. I would say exactly the same as his brother. So 297, okay, so, 294. So a 4.62. That's correct. Okay. And then? Bringing us to Catastrophe. Did he die natural causes or did his ass get assassinated or defeated in battle? He was assassinated. Indeed he was. All day long. I wonder why no point. this did not, like, if it was his intention to kill Alexander V, why didn't he do it himself? Why does he have bodyguards cut him down in the That's hall? the weird thing. They seem to have kind of like had a re- reconciliation right before Alexander V died. Almost hmm. like there was another faction at court, at court who was like, we can't have those two boys being friends. We got to keep them separated. And if we can't keep them separated, we got to kill one of them. Sounds like interesting. They're doing one of the two Fs. One of the two Fs. Like, (laughs) (laughs) well, what we got, Meredith? That gives him a 10.495. So just barely behind his brother, who had a 10.62. Oh, all right. So it's good to have our bottom, our our bottom, uh, what, second stringers or whatever it's called. Wait a second. So, uh, to clarify something, that means that Alexander V is a worse ruler than his brother that murdered his mom? That's how the yes. numbers crunched out. Oh, my God. The mania really got him. Yeah, the, the mania of killing the mom. But let me ask you a question, though. Would you stop someone on the street and tell them about Alexander V or Antipater I? Mm. No, really. Uh, apart no. from this experience with with you all and how we've been invited to the podcast, it's it's a hard no. Yeah, because they aren't even like hard pass. Yeah, exactly. Because with Philip the Fourth, we could be like, man, his life just kind of didn't work like out right. Away from him. Yeah, and now here you got some bumbling brothers that really should have never, not never been rulers, but should have been rulers a lot later in life. Yeah, yeah. So. Just kind of a sad, not even worth being upset about story. It's just kind of like a dang. That sucks. Yeah. It's a dang. It's a dang. Mm. For both of them, no. Yeah. Well, that's it. <laughs> For the tumultuous but <laughs> short reigns of Antipater the First and Alexander the Fifth. Join us okay. on our next episode. We're actually talking about Demetrius the First, <laughs> Polyorchites. And if you enjoyed our show, please leave us a rating or a review wherever you listen to podcasts. You can follow us on Facebook at the Alexander Standard Podcast, Instagram at Alexander Standard Pod, X, formerly Twitter, at Alexander Standard Pod, Blue Sky at Alex Standard Pod, and then you can always email us at alexanderstandardpod at gmail.com. And until then, just be awesome to one another. We want to thank Nick and Paige, our dearest friends, for coming on to our podcast, not once, but twice in a row. In a single night, we've, we just loved having you on. Please be willing to return at any point in the future. I mean, this was fun. 
Mm. So yeah, definitely. Or know that you're welcome. Maybe the real Alexander standard was the friends we made along the way. Oh my oh boy. God. There it is. It's not the destination. <laughs> it's the journey. Oh gosh. Sounds right. good. Well, we're going to be picking up with Demetrius Polyarchates, the besieger of cities next time. But until then, this has been the Alexander Standard. Good night. Most of you. Or the besieger of that. The besieger of that. Oh boy. <laughs>